Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Mornings can be very can be very tough on families. I wouldn't know that this morning because my my family, at least the, the ladies, are in in Gatlinburg. Mornings can be very tough on families, especially if you have s- small children or kids that are difficult to wake up. You guys know what I'm talking about, that dynamic. And on more than one occasion, and I probably shared this with you guys before, but on more than one occasion, I remember storming out of the house, really angry, just a blow up about something, convinced I was right. And then I get to my office at the college in Kentucky, and I have my cup of coffee, and I have my, my Bible open, and I'm starting to study, and I recognize as the Spirit starts to deal with me, oh, I messed up. You know, maybe I wasn't completely right, or even if I feel like I was completely right, the way that my anger got the best of me and the attitude that I had, I really need to call and, and apologize. And that happened on more than one occasion and still does. And the reason that it does in moments like this is because Scripture cuts me to the core every single time. And we're in week six of our spring practice, which is Scripture. We are in our final week uh, talking about Scripture as a spiritual discipline. Our goal as a church is for three out of four people, or 75% of our people, to develop a daily rhythm of study in Scripture. We have said that the number one indicator of spiritual maturity is a daily rhythm of Scripture reading. Not to take away from prayer, fasting, worship, giving, serving, hospitality, silence and solitude, all of these other things that we will talk about over time, but that Scripture is the number one indicator of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. Our spring and fall practices, which falls under our core value formation, are teachings on learning what it means to be students of Jesus. Very specifically, we take two times a year, take a spiritual discipline, and we go as deep as we possibly can with this spiritual discipline. The first three weeks of this practice we refer to as learning, and we talked about the origins of Scripture controversy surrounding Scripture, as well as reading Scripture in its proper context. The last three weeks have been application, what it means to actually apply Scripture. 
In week four, we talked about study tools and study habits as if you had never read scripture before. We tried to start at the very beginning. I gave you guys a cheat sheet that is still available for those of you who may feel that you struggle with scripture. So as you leave right beside the offering bucket over there, if you want to grab one of those, it is a wonderful resource. It's a great tool as you're getting started or if you're just looking to freshen up and do something new. Last week, we talked about developing a daily rhythm and incorporating this into your life every day. And this study would be complete, incomplete if we didn't get into a thorough and deeper conversation about application or obedience in some great detail. You see, as I've shared with you guys, I have very strong and have had very strong political views and values that have had to change in light of Scripture. I've had very angry and prideful moments in which, like I just described, in which I've had to submit in light of Scripture. I've had idols that I have built up, plans that I've had, things that have been very important to me that I've said, I'm going to pursue this with my life, that I've then had to turn over and sacrifice in light of what Scripture tells me. And every single time that I've done this, there has been life-giving love that I have received as a result. In essence, Scripture must inform every decision that we make. Whenever, we are, whenever we're wanting uh, to, to get married, if we're, if we're seeking a spouse, whenever we are taking a job, whenever we are considering if God, if God is calling us into a particular area of ministry, when we know that there is a great likelihood that a mistake we are going to make is right around the corner, as it is often, Scripture must inform every decision that we make. And that cannot be the case if we're not applying. Many experts will suggest that we live in a biblically illiterate society. So what they're saying, a lot of these experts, is that people don't know the Bible or they don't understand the Bible, or if you ask them a particular question about Scripture or what the Bible might mean, they're not going to be able to answer you the way they might have been able to answer you 30 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago, or you know what, even five years ago. And I'm not denying that this isn't a serious issue and and that this is not a problem. But I think there's something else that we're not paying attention to. And that is the number of people within churches and also outside of churches that actually do know a lot about the Bible. They can tell you stories. They can give you names. They can roughly give you dates. They can bring something up because they remember learning about a parable. And some of these individuals know a lot but they do not apply what they know. And this is a major, major issue with the church. So the problem is not that we don't know enough. The problem is with the follow-through. The problem is with practicing obedience through the process 
of application. So if you do have a Bible, a phone, you want to follow on the screen, we are going to be in the book of James. And this is where one of our women's community groups is studying from right now. So if you want to turn there, we are going to be in the book of James, and we are going to look at the first chapter. And of everything that we've shared, of all the passages that we've looked at throughout this series, we've also used several to overlap. This is probably my favorite passage, and what I think is the most critical of anything that we are going to look at at in this series. So we're going to be in James chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 21 through 25. And this is probably something, and some of your groups will do this tonight, but this is something that you're probably going to want to revisit later in the week, okay? So James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. This is what the passage tells us. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness and welcome, I love this right here, welcome the word planted deep inside of you. What this is saying is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have made the decision to take this path, your DNA and your wiring has been rewired. There is a disposition within you now through the power of the Holy Spirit to follow the correct way. So welcome the word that is planted deep inside of you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the word. If you happen to have a pen right now and you have a physical copy of the Bible, circle that word doers and go back to it over and over again. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers, who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are, those, are like those who look at their face in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they are like. Think about the condition of the church in the 21st century and where we are today. And should it not scare us that we are being led by so many people who don't even know what they look like? It's no wonder that we are where we are. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and here's the key, and continue to do it. They don't listen and forget, but they put it into practice in their lives, and they are blessed in whatever They do. This blessed language is much like what we were in last week with Psalm 1, all right? Which someone reminded me several people later that I had misspelled. Raise your hand if you caught that. The Psalm. Okay, good. Several of you did. Uh, uh, P-slam apparently is the way that I accidentally spelled it in the, and and I've thought about that all week because that's how crazy I am. But anyway, um, what a wonderful place to conclude this practice. What a wonderful place to be today, to welcome the word that is planted deep inside of you. Every single person in here that has accepted Jesus, that is following Jesus, this word, this ability to have freedom, this security that you can only have in one way, 
is planted deep inside of you. And the question becomes, what is it that you're going to do with it? You see, in week four, whenever we talked about study, I was talking to a lot of people that were listening uh, to the podcast through the week or people that were, were, were live streaming that maybe don't have a lot of experience with the Bible. But today, I'm talking to a lot of you that are here right now in this room because you know what it says. Some of you have read it cover to cover multiple times, but you are missing the application part. You are missing what it means to follow through with this book. Now, here is the most important thing I want you to leave with today and possibly throughout this entire practice, and it's this. When considering spiritual maturity or formation, becoming students of Jesus, obedience always trumps knowledge. Every single time, we have to move past the narrative that knowledge about the Bible is everything. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Every church, or at least most churches, has a, you know, a, a, a Granny Ruth or, or some older saint. And when people talk about this individual, they're like, well, he has been or she has been at the church forever. And if you want to know what the Bible says about Noah and the flood, if you want to know what the Bible says in the Sermon on the Mount, if you want to know how to, how to unlock the code of Revelation, will you just ask him? Or you just ask her, because this is the individuals, and, and there are probably some faces that are coming to your mind of people that know all these things about the Bible. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said one act of obedience, one act is better than 100 sermons. We believe knowledge and years of church experience lead to spiritual maturity, and this is not true. There are people that are in this room right now who have been in church for a very long time, and you're just as immature as the day you started. And as a church, we have got to stop giving the keys to people just because they've been here the longest. And this is what we're doing. We have this seniority, and we build people up, and they are no more living like Jesus than the man on the moon. But what about, what about that addict? What about that individual who's given his first paperback Bible that he's able to understand, and he starts to read it, and he says, clearly, I know this is a problem because I see a track record of my mistakes in this area, and I have to make a decision to turn from this. Or the person that says, you know what? I really gossip, and I really have an issue with talking about other people, and I cannot do this any longer. Those are the people that have to have the keys, because those are the people that will spark a revolution. Those are the people that are going to bring about real life change. Those are the people that are not going to worry about keeping up appearance but ushering in the power of Holy, the Holy Spirit and a movement within a church. And I know this is difficult for some people to hear, 
These are the ones that are leading most churches. But get this, discipleship is not achieved through learning. Spiritual formation, one of our core values, is not achieved through learning. This is a small part because you have to learn it before you do it. But spiritual formation and becoming a disciple is discovered through applying and discovered through obedience. In fact, I would say this, and please hear this. There is little in this world as dangerous as people with biblical knowledge and no biblical action. There is little, you're like, Matt, there's a lot of dangerous things in this world. I'm not sure you know exactly what you're talking about. There is little in this world as dangerous as people with biblical knowledge and no biblical action. And you want to know why? Because it's a power trip. They feel that they know more. They have more access because of this knowledge. You see, this is where we see the Crusades. This is why we have slavery. This is what produces anti-Semitism or Nazi Germany. This is why we see corporate greed and the greatest forms of human hypocrisy that you can imagine exist because people have a lot of head knowledge, but never really learn what it means to live deeply within the scripture and apply it in their lives. Consider those who listen and don't do. This is what James says. Those who hear, but don't do the word, are like those who see their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away immediately, and forget what they are like. How is that even possible? How is it even possible to do that? So there are deep and serious consequences for listening but not doing. And the truth is that I believe that there are people in this room and people that are listening that, that have fallen into these two traps that I'm going to mention. So some consequences of listening but not doing. Number one, listening but not doing breeds a confusion of identity. People don't understand who they are. They really don't understand what their role is supposed to be. They are never able to understand a possible calling on their lives because there are a zillion different things that they can tell you about what the Bible says because I will guarantee you that when we opened up this series that there were people in our church that said, that have been reading the Bible for years, well, this is going to be good for some new people. This is going to be some good for some people in our church that are maybe new Christians or, or have not accepted Christ yet. This is going to be good for some people who are going to stumble across this but don't know about the Bible. They didn't expect it to be good for them. You don't know why? Because they think they know everything. Because there is a confusion of identity. They look at themselves in the mirror and they don't know who they are. Now, some of you know, well, I'm married. I have two kids. I, I work this particular job. I'm 30, 
four years old, Caucasian, female, you know those things. But when it comes to the true essence of your identity and what you were made for, you don't know any more than you did 20 years ago. Another issue that we had is that listening but not doing, and maybe this is a bigger deal, breeds a condition of self-righteousness. You see, this is, a, this is the Pharisees. It breeds a condition of self-righteousness. You know what it does? Listening but not doing? It creates a situation in which you look at church people, and just like the Pharisee that looked down at the tax collector, you know what some of you say? And what a lot of people say that listen but don't do? Well, I sure am glad I'm not like him. Well, I sure am glad I'm not like her. Did you see what he wore to church? Did you smell her? Have you heard what I've heard? That is so anti-Jesus that it makes me want to vomit. That is so anti-Jesus. But you know, you know how this is built over time? You know how this is structured into character? It's by people who go to Bible studies, maybe men's studies, women's studies. They take part in things that have to do with this book. They learn some good stories. They can talk about it, but it never transforms their lives. It never changes them through the power of application. They are lost in the traditions they are lost in all of these other things, and they've never seen this life-changing power. So who are the most self-righteous people in the Bible and today? Religious people. I've often heard people say, did you know that there's a, there's a villain in the Gospels? People would say, is it the devil? Is it the demon? No, it's the religious people. That's the villain in, in the Gospels. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are the ones that killed Jesus. But fortunately today, I want you guys to know, and this is where we get into our daily rhythm. This is where we get into our 75% of people. Trusting the way of scripture through life application. That's the alternative to going beyond. Because listen, some of you, you, you never crack this book open. It's, it's just not something that you do unless maybe you're in church on Sundays. And in an equally dangerous, if not more dangerous group are the people that are in this book every single day and never do what it says. It's through life application. It's through putting it into practice. Again, going back to our core value of spiritual formation. I do not do this. We're not going to talk about hospitality in the fall and scripture through this practice so that you can learn just a little bit more about the Bible or how to treat people to put another notch on your little religious belt. It's about becoming students of Jesus and doing the things that Jesus did so that we, as Believer's Church, are different. We're different. So there is an alternative, and it's trusting the way of Scripture through life application. Hearing and doing. Going back to something that I said earlier uh, in the series, po politics do not shape my view of Scripture. Scripture instead shapes my politics. And I wish, guys, I wish I could say 
that I felt like that fell perfectly into one political party. But I just don't think it does. The way that my parents raised me doesn't shape my view of, of parenting. And that's not me saying they, they did a poor job. Scripture shapes my view of parenting. I've developed goals and motivations in my life. My, my five-year plan, my t- where I want to be whenever I'm at this particular place. And Scripture continues to screw that up. Daily. But for a lot of people, this is my five-minute morning thing. Or I, or I go to my app where I've got my short, you know, three to five minute devotion. I'll throw Jesus in the mix for the day. And then I go about my day, which you're going to find in this next series when we talked about to remain or to, bi- to abide. It's very difficult uh, to do. So what does James say about this? Verse 25, but there are those. And and you want to fall into this category of those, okay? And in fact, if you have your Bible, and if it does happen to have this, you may not have this translation, but whatever it is for those, those individuals, those people, whatever it is, you might want to circle those because you want to fall into those. There are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and forget, but they put into practice in their lives. They, those, will be blessed in whatever they do. So this brings about a question for me. Why will people who apply God's word be blessed in whatever they do. And we, excuse me, we have the answer. We have the answer in this exact same verse. James tells us, what we are reading is perfect. It's going to always tell us what we need. And it brings freedom. When you know who you are, when you're not confused about your identity, When you find the essence, like, I believed I was always supposed to do this. Uh, The marriage and the four kids and the two dogs and the white picket fence or, or all the travel or all the money or all these things. And you realize that was never your identity to begin with. You see, I always saw life the American way of climbing up a ladder. And somehow God always has me climbing down the ladder. It's upside down. It's completely different than what I could have ever anticipated. And I have more joy in my life than I have ever had. And this joy thing, this is relatively new to me. I'll share, with that, share that with you later in the year, in the Christmas series, because I'm starting to, God is really doing a lot of things through me. Beth and I had a very, very hard start to our, to our week. On Monday, we had several just out of the blue financial blows. And, I, and somehow I walked through this and I'm like, God's going to provide. God's going to take care of us. We don't have to worry about it get a knock on the door Tuesday or Wednesday evening, not going to say who it was, come in the house, give us $400. (laughs) It's just the way that it works. Um, 
Not every time. So don't expect someone to come to your house with $400 every time. All right? Um, We should all recognize turning points in our faith. We should all be able to recognize that because we are choosing to apply Scripture. Consider when someone hurts you and you get really angry because that's where some of you are right now. Let's be real, okay? I know it's church and we like to put on a mask, but some of you are hurting and you're very, very angry. How do you apply Scripture in that situation? What does it tell you to do? Suppose you have a a financial plan for your family. You do have your 10-year plan or your 20-year plan, and you read in Scripture that you're supposed to live with an empty hand, uh, an open hand, which sometimes does lead to an empty hand, but an open hand. Let's assume that your marriage has become stale. And I have no doubt with the, with the amount of marriages in this room that that's probably happened or is going on right now. And ladies, you start to notice those, uh, those guys at work or guys, you're noticing the, the women um, at, at your kids' sporting events. And you start to tell yourself, well, maybe the grass is greener on the other side. I heard somebody say one time, you know why the grass looks greener on the other side? It's because it's fake. But what does Scripture say about mutual submission to your spouse in the most difficult moments? That that is the person that God gave you. How do you apply that? What if someone hurts you or hurts someone that you love? Should you really forgive that person? There is a reason that that doing what Scripture said is described as freedom. Because when we walk in freedom, the kingdom of God is breaking through. And that's what we want here. Our vision at this church or our picture of the future is to create environments where the kingdom of God is both visible and contagious. You can see this out in the lobby. So what that means is that if we're having one of our neighborhood nights down at this trailer park, if in the the community group that Dad and Angie lead, the, the, the married group, if on a Sunday morning in the middle of our worship, if a conversation happens out in the lobby, in any situation that we are in, if we are applying Scripture in our lives, which our first commandment is to love, then the kingdom of God is pouring through. We are creating these environments, plural, not one environment, environments where the kingdom of God is visible. People see something different. And I can promise you that this becomes contagious. This is possible when we apply what we are reading and what we are learning. So ask yourself this morning, am I reading to start with? Am I going to fall into this 75% or more of people? We said, remember, that the the national average of Christians that read the Scripture daily is 39%. Am I going to fall into that category? But then, the one that's a little bit more difficult, am I applying what I'm reading? So here's what this looks like on a practical level. Some of you are struggling in your marriage. Others of you are really struggling being single. I I remember being single. Some of you are greedy with your money. Others struggle to manage it. Some of you have a deep spirit of unforgiveness within. Some of you are angry. Some of you are bitter. Some of you have specific sins tucked away that other people don't know about that's keeping you in bondage. And I'm going to close this spring practice 
our, our six weeks of discussion on Scripture with a story that I've already shared with you. And I think I just accidentally shared it one week because I got a little bit excited. All right, but I was in a position for many years and then into the first few years of my marriage to where because I don't deal with conflict very well, I, I don't like to feel like I'm not in control. I don't like to deal with disagreements, especially when it's not my way, that if Beth and I had an argument, I would take off, go to a bar, burst out of the house angry. And now every single time that I go through a situation like that in marriage, this is the first place that I go. And I find out how can scripture inform my decisions. Whenever I struggle in ministry, I've had, I've had struggles with people that I've worked with in leadership. I've had times where people have disagreed with me in leadership and I've not known what the next move should be. I go here. When I'm hurting and I'm in my darkest moments, I go here. But please understand this. This is not simply for the purpose of reading or simply for the purpose of comfort. It's for the purpose of direction. It's for the purpose of applying what's here, even if it feels irrational, even if it feels at the time like it's not the best decision. And strangely enough, it always is. Every single time. This is the key part. When I seek to carry out what God wants according to his word, I no longer have to apologize. I no longer have to make the same mistake. Some of you, don't you get tired of just the same arguments over and over? Don't you get tired of saying, I'm not going to take another drink. I'm not going to go to that website again. I'm not going to talk about this person again. And just that cycle, it's just, it, it just, it, I think it ages us when we continue in these patterns over and over again. Scripture gives us the invitation to start anew. And whenever we do that, we can be certain about who we are. Father, we come to you uh, this morning. And our prayer, Father, very simply is for deeper scripture reading and application. My, my ultimate outlook and goal with this series, God, has been uh, to take people who maybe casually read, people who read scripture every once in a while, uh, people who read it every day, but maybe, maybe don't apply it. People who don't understand much of it and try to provide at least a little bit of clarity with, with, with a small amount that I can understand. And my prayer is that the spirit pierces through us and that God, that people recognize that if they're having a bad day, if their life is going in a bad direction, if they continue to commit the same sins or make the same mistakes, doesn't have to be that way and that it can be so much better and that a dark day of difficulty and struggle and strife is better 
when we are informed in your scripture than a wonderful day where, our, where we're fulfilling our dreams without it. Father, make us students of your word. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.